and welcome to a very special episode of Trash or Treasure. It is our hundredth, our one hundredth oh episode. Oh my goodness gracious! It's like a hundred weeks of podcast episodes. It's a hundred weeks of podcast episodes, and it's a hundred books slash audio slash one. It's a hundred reading. It's a hundred reading experiences. That blows my mind. Also, it blows my mind because we don't review everything I read. No, I know. I usually have a <laughs> podcast book going and a non-podcast book going, going Me at too. the same time. So we probably... And I'm just like, how do I have time to do anything? I'm very proud. At any rate, so 100 episodes, here we yeah. are. So what we've done for this episode is Kimberly was like, we're going to read something that pushes Amy a little bit outside her comfort zone. Yes, so our discussion was that for the 100th episode we should do something that's outside, like an unusual book, a book we wouldn't normally read. And we sat down and thought about, you know, maybe we give each other one and Amy makes me read one and I make her read one or whatever. But I already make her read the things I read. That's exactly right. So quite frequently Amy will say, we should do this for the podcast and I will never have read it, would never have picked it up if she didn't make me read it for the podcast. Whereas the reverse doesn't happen. So I read a ton of stuff that I could never be like, hey, Amy, read this. I think I did one and you got very cranky about it, so we stopped. I also read a lot more trash, I think, than you would be prepared to no, but you read dystopian science uh, yeah, fiction and spec true. fiction, and I find that stuff gives me nightmares for it's weeks. True. So I don't read it. There's a lot of things I read that you just can't. You just can't. I can't come, come at. at. It's not what I want. My, in the book. I think so. We decided upon our discussion. We decided that my range of reading is broad enough to encompass everything Amy would want to read. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not making anyone read not the non-fiction books I read. We no, won't do the history books no, or the autobiographies. I, because we so. don't want to do that on the podcast. <laughs> That's like your Amy spec made fiction. me read. I'm autobiographies. Yes. <laughs> Amy made me read the history of the English language. Get ready, everyone. We're going to talk about it for twenty book, minutes. The adventure of English. It is actually yeah, a good book, but. but no, so we didn't want to do nonfiction. So instead, I have given Amy a book that is outside of her comfort zone that she would not have picked up if I had not forced her to. But unlike the previous times I have done it, I have tried to pick one that I thought you might like. So I've essentially recommended you a book that is outside of your comfort zone, but that I have read and thought you might also like. And what so, is that book, Kimberly? You're in charge. Let us do. What did we read this week? Recap, review, or recommendation for what we read this week, which is Monstrous Regiment by Terry Pratchett. Do you want to say that once more? The The Monstrous Regiment by Terry Pratchett. No the in the title. Whatever. (laughs) So um, if you want to do it, you can. Like I wasn't going to steal your job. Can I try the spoiler-free recap? Oh, I would love it so bad if you try the spoiler-free recap. Go. I'm going to – I don't know when this is set. It's set in another world. I don't – I can't give you any information about that. Kimberly I can give can. you a little bit of background. So yeah. I can tell you where it's set. I can do the setting. Do oh, the setting. Oh, my gosh. It's like – Because I haven't this read – This is how the other half lives. I'm I so haven't excited. read – I don't think – I read Weird Sisters, but that was like 20 years ago. You read Weird Sisters 20 years ago. No other Pratchett. That. No. So – Monstrous Regiment is a part of Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, right? Yeah. It's not a series in the sense that you have to read it in chronological or published published order, but this one comes kind of toward not towards the end, but kind of I'd say in the second half of the I can't remember which disc what number Discworld novel it is. Published in the early 2000s. Yeah, so it was a little bit later on, 
And so because I have read all of the Discworld novels, there's lots of like little in little references that you get that are kind of little Easter eggs if you're a person who's read all of the Discworld novels. But other than aside from that, you lose nothing. Like it doesn't matter if you've read the rest of the series or not. So you pitched it to me as a sort of standalone. It is a standalone Pratchett. And I guess the only thing is Discworld is a is a kind of satire or parody of Earth, except it's flat and is carried on the back of elephants who stand on the back of the great Aetun, who is the world turtle who flies through space. So it's an improbable place where there's magic. Of, there's magic and werewolves, werewolves and, vampires. and vampires and wizards and, and everyone just exists in this same society yes, together. Exactly. Yep. And when we kind of join the when we kind of join the Discworld world, it's kind of at a point of almost like industrial revolution. They're starting to have like big, big, big mega cities. So Ankh-Morpork is the big mega city that's, you know, starting to develop ideas around currency, a unified police force. Telecommunications. Telecommunications. Like, they, call um, like the they, they call them the Clax Towers. And so, you know, being able to communicate across Discworld in a fast amount of time and that but most kind of, it of stuff. Seems the mail, the post was one. Early, like almost early Victorian is yes. what it felt like as in yeah, terms of a as sensibility a time, and, yep. and villages and taverns yeah, and things absolutely. like that. Um, so that's kind of it, that, realistically. Well, it's the setting, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah. That's more no, detailed. No so there's not really any time. Polly Perks mm-hmm. enlists in the army. So she lives in a part of the world called Borogravia, which is sort of like a cantankerous little It's sit- a small country. country, yeah. And her brother was in the army and he's gone missing. So she decides to, you're not allowed to be in the army if you're a female. Women have specific roles in yes. Borogravia. So she cuts off her hair, disguises herself as a boy, practices walking as a boy and being gross and joins up. But also in the regiment, uh, it's just this really kooky regiment of, like, strange, a strange collective. And I guess the important thing with that is, too, it's the Borogravia has been at war pretty much forever. So that's kind of their number one export is going to war with people. To the point that no one's entirely sure why they're at war. Or who they're at war with or if they're winning. in service of the Duchess, who's like this sort of the queen who everyone has a photo on their wall. Yes, and and you sort of kiss the Duchess and... are in the, the service the, of the Duchess. Yeah, the shilling and, or whatever. And, but no one has seen the Duchess in a long time. It's kind of like the country started a war and then all kind of political decisions froze and nothing else has ever happened. They just have kept it's being just at war. war. Yeah. So Polly... So there aren't a lot her... of men left around. So when we have this weird regiment of people, partly that is we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel of people who can go to war now. So she's like this young young boy who joins up and they're like are you of age and she's like yes and they're like sure you are sign here and then there's a vampire who signs up yeah maledict 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 join the temperance league however and instead of seeking blood just is a coffee addict yeah which means he's safe there's igor who is an igor who are sort of my they're the surgeons they're they're surgeons but what they do is they can like 
if you've lost a limb, they just go and cut one off some. Well, if someone, yeah, if, if you're on a battlefield you. and you've lost a limb, an eagle can go to someone who's already dead, but freshly dead, and quickly get their limbs and attach them to you. Stitch it and use their magic salves. But an eagle is together. an abomination unto Nuggin because they're a very religious. That's right. Country. Nuggin is this. They're mm, God. And there's a scene early on in Ankh-Morpok where the. Someone's trying to explain to like a colonel mm. Nuggan, and the guy's like, "I've got the Bible, the Nuggan book," and he's like, "No, no, that's a previous edition." In Borogravia, they just keep you the, keep getting the, it keeps getting the, added the to the Nuggan Bible in like a ring binder yeah. with lots of additional blank pages, and abominations will just appear. So yeah. Nuggan started saying that things like jam are abominations unto the Nuggan. The sky was an abomination, and you're like, "Well, how do you how do we do that, Nuggan?" And so they're like really devout Nuggan Nugganites, just try not to look up. Like that's where we're at. <laughs> so it's this interesting society with lots of rules and restrictions, and you also have in this regiment from this society a couple. Really, essentially shy other very, very, very young young guys. And in charge of the regiment is Sergeant Jackram, Mm -hmm. who is a force to be reckoned with. And kind of famous, like has been in the army for 7,000 years. Yeah, And they all enlist and off they go. And a troll. There's a troll. Oh, yeah, there's a troll called Corundum. Carborundum. Carborundum. Mm. That's right. And they're like, okay, sure. (laughs) So they become sort of infamous for being this... Monstrous, monstrous regiment, regiment yeah. and off they go to the war. But everything is not as they seem, and hijinks follow. Yeah, and I think anything more than that would just be me retelling the entire plot of the it's story. It's true. Yeah, so, it's true. Know, was that okay? I think that's enough. I think that'll do. So obviously Polly is the main character that we follow. Yes, yes. You, we follow various people, and sometimes we you switch find to Ankh Morpok. You do, and. Particularly to Vimes, Commander. Well, I don't. I actually think he might be a duke by this point, but he's he starts duke, the series just, as Commander Vimes. He just like, don't call me your lordship. Let's just mm. get on with this. And yeah. he's sort of not really on the other side. He's just sort of ob- so he in an is, observational he capacity. He represents Ankh-Morpork, who have become interested in the war in Borogravia because they are burning down the clacks. So the, the part of the problem uh, with the war... Because they're an abomination unto Nugget. Yes, because only prayers should travel in the air, not messages. <laughs> so the thing that I'm really confused by, and it's probably the point, okay. is who's Borogravia fighting? Borogravia is fighting... All of their neighbours. But in this one, they're going to Zoolandia or Zagrobia Z- or, 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 or something. Is their, <coughs> and their closest neighbour. And they were And blue. the problem with the way the systems are working, and this is what I mean by like it's kind of a set of outdated systems and yeah. a lack of change, political change and political growth because – and that's what's being satired in the book because the the – border between Borogravia and Zolandia, whatever that other place is, that whose name I can't recall, the border, the actual country border, is a river that yeah. changes. It's called it changes all the time. Const- it's a really incon- inconsistent river. So the clacks, when they built them, were not in Borogravia, but then there was like one really wet winter, one really wet spring or whatever, and then the next year now they are in Borogravia's territory, people who were like, I wasn't Borogravian last year, but now I am. So it's just creates so much conflict, which is why they're at war. And the Ankh-Morpork government has decided that their 
wrecking everything and costing them a <laughs> and fortune. the war probably needs to end. And the war needs to get sorted out. Yep. So they've sent Commander Vimes or Duke whatever Vimes there to essentially sort it out because yep. it's a mess. And Polly wants to find her brother Paul. And Polly wants to find her brother Paul. And we find out lots about all of the other members of the regiment and they all have things they're trying to yep. achieve too. Yeah. So. Oh, does that mean I get to go first? You get to go first. I feel like that was very and communal. Kimberly clearly recommends this book. But why are the reasons that you recommend it? So I read – actually, I had a really fun time, pre- like, pre- I guess, preparing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because you said to me, podcast. oh, I don't think I need to reread it. I've read it enough. And then I saw that you were, I like, did 40% through yeah. that you, A, purchased it, and B, you were 40% through Yeah, it. I did. I was slogging – not slogging, but I was flicking through the hard copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the story of this book is, for me, when I was maybe 14 – my parents bought it for me for Christmas. I guess because they were at the shops. It may have even been like had just come out given yes, the release had. date, it right? It was like 03 or something. So 02. I was about 14. Mum and dad bought it for me for Christmas and I read this book and I thought it was awesome and hilarious and really fun. And it was I'd never read a Terry Pratchett before. And then I discovered that this was, you know, book 37 in the Terry Pratchett Discworld series and went back to the start and just read like, Every Terry Pratchett. I really didn't do anything that summer holiday. Pretty she much. just read Terry Pratchett. Pretty much. And I own, like, every Terry Pratchett book. Yeah, you every do. Terry Pratchett Discworld book. It's almost the only series I went out and bought everything in an actual physical hardcover for. And I found them very entertaining and really enjoyed them. And so I thought the things I liked about this one, I liked how it talks about gender and I liked – how I liked the camaraderie of the regiment. I really liked that. I liked that it was about not everything being the way you thought it was. Yeah. And I liked that it was it managed really nicely to be simultaneously about the huge decisions because I'm obviously a history person, right? Yeah. And I loved that it was about the huge decisions that get made on a macro scale that affect entire countries and affect entire regions and worlds and that kind of thing. But it was simultaneously about the way the individual person dealing with their day-to-day life is affected by and also understands or kind of positions themselves in relation to those big macro decisions. And I found Mm. it a really empowering book overall as the end takeaway in terms of like one tiny little person can spend a lifetime making a proper difference. It's just long and it's hard and you've got to stick with it. But it was it was an ultimately quite optimistic book, but not in a not in a cheesy. This is how you fix it all. Okay, it's fixed. Borough gravy is fixed at the end. Yeah, we've changed everything. Yeah, it was much rejoicing. It wasn't. It wasn't that. It felt. It just felt much cleverer than that, and I really enjoyed it. But I also something with this book that is not true. I would not recommend every Terry Pratchett I've ever read. Obviously, when you write that many books, some are better. Than some others, are better than yeah. others, right? So why I particularly treasure and go back to this one every kind of, you know, five or so years or 10 years or whatever is because, because of those characters. And it's such a small cast and it, is it small compared to like, it other, is small compared to right. other Terry Pratchett's yeah. often there's, I there's like four or five different things going on. Whereas these were all distinct there were characters. just two different things. The yeah. regiment and but Vimes we were almost we were very rarely with yeah, Vimes. Like three it was times yeah. Or something. So it was mostly with the regiment, and I feel like when we went to Vimes, that was really a. It was to help set up some of that macro 
conceptual stuff, but B, I feel like that was more kind of a nod to the people who have read all of the other books. When we were with Vimes, I felt like that was more for, for the Discworld diehards okay. than needing to be central to the narrative. Yeah, that's all the things I really, really enjoyed about it. For me, it was a really quick, fun read. And then when I recommended it to you, I was like, God, it's probably been 15 years or more now since I've read that book. I was like, I can't review it and be like, well, I can tell you what, like, 20-year-old Kim thought or my strongest memories are probably about yeah, what 14-year-old what Kim thought. Because what we've discovered thought. about ourselves is uh, views Taste on what we changed so yeah, greatly. Quite considerably. And so I thought I should reread it, particularly because one of the things I remember really enjoying about it was kind of the fun, the gender, the fun kind of gender. Ex- commentary. Commentary. That's a great word. Yeah, and that a lot has on. sort of... And I was like, ooh, that dates. I know for a fact, having done the podcast yeah, and rereading stuff that we've read that. a long time ago, that that can date really badly. How we thought badly. in the early 2000s isn't necessarily helping now. No, like when you go back to Ally McBeal and you're like, whoa, I got two episodes in and had to stop that rewatch. It was horrendous. But I, for me, this held up and was still really interesting and engaging and I enjoyed it. But I'm kind of more interested to know what you thought. Well, I wrote things down. I love when you write things um, down. So overall, I found it really gripping. It was what I found interesting for it was I was like, I don't even know where I am in this book. I'm just halfway because there are no chapters. No. It just is sort of paragraph after paragraph, which propels you. It does. It, yeah. it sort of scaffolds you to not be able to put the book down yeah. because there's no clear pause point. Yep. Except when you're like, oh, and now we're with Vimes. I thought the characters were fantastic. I particularly liked Maledict. I loved, I loved the vampire Maledict. and I loved Carborundum, the troll. The and arc I, Maledict goes on is really nice. Yeah, Maledict. I just loved the, the nuance of the coffee yeah. and the idea of vampires being, you know, he's, he wears the he wears the ribbon. Right, we know that he's, you have to wear this. Leg. I also liked the idea that I can't cure my thirst. I can't cure the addiction. I so just that, replace that blood, it. I transfer it. Yeah, that they're it. not evil, that blood that blood sucking was just the addiction. So I'm just replacing it with a more socially acceptable addiction. Addiction, yes. And, I thought that was interesting. You know, he has his little French press and his freshly yeah. ground thing. So I liked those those little tiny details were just fantastic. But overall, I would describe this book as someone who isn't aware of the sort of disc world details yes as funny but actually i found it almost deeply tragic oh yeah because it's it is a black comedy and yes it is, it that is a black satire yep. about this fundamental petty reasons why mm-hmm. nations embark on incredibly destructive it is the pettiness consequences. Of, it's the pettiness of it people. It was so petty, yeah. and then, but the catastrophic loss that that has on everyday people. So I was reading it, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually like." It reminded me, actually, and I wonder whether it was an influence on Pratchett of um, a Russian novel I read many years ago. Someone once said to me, "Life's not short enough. Life's not long enough to read Russian novels." But this was a comedy, yeah. And it takes it's a satire of it was written during the early Stalinist era, yeah, and right. it puts it in this sort of ridiculous world with magicians and things yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but you're like, I'm really aware that this is, is a actually of a satire specific. of something yeah. really specific. So I thought that that it actually had this like really purposeful and worthwhile message to read. Yeah, I agree. And I felt like that stood up. That stood the test of time for me. Yes. That's the part of it that that's why that, I did the reread because I was like, I don't know if this is gonna. Because the other thing I wondered, I wondered in my kind of second guessing 14 year old kim was i 
am an army family, so we. Yeah. I was an army brat growing up, and that so so military life, and obviously not being at war. We didn't like follow dad through the you know army camp. But fields some or of anything, the things but, that happen in terms and, of it and, being a regiment, yeah, and the would, structure of that, and yeah. the kind of flow of army life, and the flow of kind of the attitude, the, stru- the just like the administration and structure of the army as kind of its own separate vehicle. Like the one of the lines in the book that I love is the only thing that seems to be working in Borogravia is the army. Everything else is broken, but the army is just like chugging forward. So the army is its own entity, and the satire around that. I found really interesting. But I found that even, I don't come from that background, but I could, the satire was really tangible and the satire on so many different things. Yeah. Tiny little things to big things. And then, you know, Nugget, abominations onto Nugget and how everyone was like sort of tangled between a, do I eye roll or uh, do I need to be a good Nugget Knight? And then, you know, maybe he's just lost his marbles the absent ruler who we're yeah. fighting all of this for. So I I would actually describe it as gripping and profound but communicated through humour. So lots of little moments that I had a little giggle. Yeah. I will say that my husband is reading it now. He said to Kim recommend it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he also likes Pratchett and has read Discworld novels. Yes. He's having lots and lots of little giggles because yes. he's clearly picking up the Discworld yeah. references. So I read it and I was like, I don't understand the rules of this world, but I'm just going to say it's basically like ours, slightly different time, but there's vampires and everyone Everything just rolls goes, with it. Yeah. So I think it was a really worthwhile read and, and I really enjoyed it. As far as Pratchett goes as well, if you're a person who's either dipped a toe into Pratchett's Discworld novels and been like, eh, bit heavy-handed, or you have wanted to but haven't quite known how to get in, I feel like this is a really good entry point or perhaps – like it would probably be one of my absolute favorite of the Discworld novels because of what you've said, which is it is multifaceted. So, yes. he, like for example, Small Gods, which is a Discworld novel, is about religion and belief. But that's all. That's kind of its one thing that it's no, about one, for a whole novel. This one had gender. It had war. Yeah. It had all these. It had like addiction. It had all of these different components to it. You know, all built around really. Ethics. Yes, all built around really memorable and and interesting characters. Is that that idea that you actually sometimes communicate more effectively if you make people laugh about it? People will remember the message. But I remember reading Weird Sisters and and I found that confusing because I was trying to work out what was happening and I wasn't doing that in this. My favourite line was early on, someone's like, why don't we just get wizards? They were like, they're too expensive. (laughs) Because clearly wizards and magic exist in this world and can solve problems. But I just was like, ha, (laughs) it's a reality. We've got no money. We have no money. And then they give everyone a, here's your salary. It's a, we will pay you a salary at some point. Yeah, it's an IOU. Everyone gets an IOU. IOU shilling. No. Where they get their uniforms and the guy who's called like three parts because he only has like three bits of him left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was I, – I recommend it. And I probably will not really quickly, like – But it'll be something – Blues that I've read yes. immediately again. But this will be something that I'll definitely pick up when I think it'll be a great one when I'm not entirely sure what to read. Yeah. I think it will be perfect because it's so different to what's in my pre-existing collection yep. of stuff. So thank you. So welcome. Thank you for a really gift. thoughtfully selecting something – Taking me outside my comfort zone, but also 
really good read. Which is also a recommendation and a gift to you, our fabulous listeners, because if you are a person who reads a bunch of the stuff that we read and you find that your opinion aligns quite frequently with Amy's opinion, this might be something out of your comfort zone that you might like as well. So give it a crack, perhaps. Let us know if you do yeah. and what you think. We always love to hear from, from our listeners. We do love you. Okay. So thank you so much for joining us for this and possibly, if you are avid, 100 other episodes or 99 Woo! other episodes. Yep. And join us next week when we will bring you more spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations. And until then, happy reading! And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.